The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Well, a very pleasant Sunday morning, everyone. I'm Mark Segrist, along with Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors, owner Brian Wickert, and Chief Millennial Loan Consultant David Wickert. Guys, great to be with you again. Oh, great to be with you, and uh, we're going to start off the show today talking about the latest sales trends uh, for real estate in Wisconsin. I think everybody knows that there's a general shortage of homes for sale. A dearth. A dearth, yes. Not a plethora, a opposite of a plethora. A shortage. A shortage. So I crunched some numbers this morning on home sales uh, for March in the five-county area, but I also looked at February numbers. Those are the recent, most recent available on a statewide basis. The data that we're going to talk about is, comes to us courtesy of the Wisconsin Realtors Association and the Greater Milwaukee Association of Realtors Multiple Listing Service, both of which I am a card-carrying member of. So first, I want to remind our listeners how much variance there is between counties in terms of the number of sales in the state. For example, in February, the total number of single-family homes and condos that sold in Waukesha County was 266. Total? Total. So all the real estate agents, loan officers, we're all clamoring to be part of those. 266. 266. Not just the birds and the squirrels that are having a hard time finding food in February. Wow. It's the loan officers and real estate agents as well. Just to put that in perspective, though, when it comes to June or July, that number triples. Oh. So that's the difference between winter and summer. But now, if uh, Waukesha County had 266 sales in February, what do you think Door County? The thumb of the mitten. Uh, five. <laughs> I'll give you the multiple choice here, fellas. Uh, 67, 47, or 27? David? 27. Mark? I would say 47. All right. The answer is 27. Ooh, okay. okay. So my five was not that far off. Not that far off. Just, again, to put it in perspective, remember Waukesha County, 266. Eau Claire County. Steve. Eau Claire County had darn near, okay, the same as Door County. No, 27. It oh, had it was 27. Versus 59, Fond du Lac, 65, Brown County, where Green Bay and Lambeau Field are located, 174. Mm. Dane County, where Bucky Badger makes his home, weighs in at 377 closed sales, so more than Waukesha. All right, quiz question now. Uh, Which county do you think had more sales in February, Racine or Kenosha? David. Kenosha. Mark. I would say with all the excitement going on with development down the Racine area, Racine. Okay. Mark is right. Racine had 148. Kenosha, only 118. I was kind of surprised by that. For now. All right. So rounding out the five-county metro area for February, in rank order, Milwaukee. Yeah, you bury the lead on that one. Bury the lead. 613 sales. Wow. Waukesha in second place. We already mentioned 266. In third place, here's my last quiz of this segment. Do you think third place is Racine, which we said is 148, or Washington County, where West Bend is the county seat? David? Racine. Uh, Mark, do you agree? Uh, I'm going to go with Washington. Okay, and uh, you just tarnished your record. You guys are tied now, because Racine is the third largest at 148. Washington County is only 117. Whoa. 
And then the smallest market in the five-county Milwaukee metropolitan statistical area is Ozaki County, back down at only 52 total. Total. This was February. Home and condo sales. Yes, so less than one-tenth the number of transactions take place in Ozaki versus Milwaukee. Yeah. County, our last quiz question. This is for the young guy because I know Mark would know this. What's the county seat of Ozaki County? Uh, Mequon, am I correct? Uh, you guys are both Port Washington. Uh, oh, all right, oh, all right. Oh, well, oh, oh. hey, the entire state of Wisconsin had three thousand eight hundred ninety-five single-family detached and condo sales in February, according to the Wisconsin Realtors Association. And, that, and that's from you know a fifty-thousand-dollar house up to a five million. No, house. that's from like a five-thousand-dollar house up oh, to a five million. Okay, and uh, that is the largest number of February home sales ever, going back to like two thousand seven, hmm. which was a big purchase year. The only month, and I was looking at the whole, you know, month by month for the entire state of Wisconsin, going back to January 2007, the only month that we've ever been more than 10,000 was last June, when 10,293 homes sold. All right, so there's your kind of look at the state of Wisconsin in February. When we come back, I'm going to look at, we're going to look at together, March home sales. I only have those numbers for the five counties in southeastern Wisconsin. We're going to see just how hot the market is when we come back. And you're listening to the Accunate Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Helping you find a place to call home. This is the Accunate Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, we're back. And Brian and David, I think when you gentlemen finished up here, you were talking about, uh, well, you're about to go into March sales trends, right? Yeah, that's right. So just to, again, by comparison, if you missed the first segment of the show, if we add up all the condos and single-family home sales in the five-county metro Milwaukee area for the month of February, it was just under 1,200 happy buyers and sellers. The exact number was 1,196. In March, the number jumped up 60% Mm. to 1,690. It does that every year, by the way, when you go from February to March. That's the seasonality of... uh, the real estate market. And now we're going to look at the condos and single family homes together again, because that's how the Wisconsin Realtors cooks the numbers. And that's what we used for the February comparison. Now, the number of sales in March for the five county area was 48 more units than last year. That's a 3% increase over 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, February, we had 7% more sales than Mm. last year. January, we had 4% more sales. No, I'm sorry, 6% more. So despite the shortage of listings, uh, sales are getting done and more sales are getting done this year than last. Now, the median sales price uh, in March for condos and single families mixed together was $198,000. That's for the five-county southeastern Wisconsin Mm -hmm. area. That's up thirteen grand from a year earlier, or 7.1% higher. David, it's up $22,500 from February. Wow. Does that mean that the average home in the five-county area all of a sudden leapt by $22,500 between February and March? Maybe just nicer homes went on the market? Exactly. The problem with the median sales price, which is often repeated in the media, is it has no adjustment for the size, quality, number of bedrooms or baths of the homes that are selling in that particular uh, period of time that's being measured. All right, here's some other, I'm going to call it mixed news for home shoppers. 
So remember, I just said that uh, 1,690 homes sold. Well, the good news is that 2,543 new listings came on the market in March. So we have more listings than sure. sales. So the inventory grew right. by 853 homes. The only bad news is that that is 430 fewer new listings than March of 2017. So, you know, the average home shopper is not going to realize this, but the agents sure are. Yeah. Right. Because the average home shopper, if they bought last year, they're not in the market anymore. Right. Uh, the agents are going to realize, though, that that means it's a tighter market. Way tighter. Well, 400, you said 450. 453 fewer listings this year. In the five county area. Yeah, that's 20, almost 20% fewer. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be. And they're not all great, good homes, too. Well, that's true. That's true. So uh, the, the bottom line is that if you are out there shopping now, you have really got to be the best version of you because chances are you're going to be competing. You're not going to be the only one writing an offer on that house. That's right. So A, you have to be quick, right? You can't be, well, yeah, we'll get, you know, to that new one that came on the After market. After fish fry, you know. We'll no, go. you got to go right away. Uh, more and more, I was just talking to a real estate agent uh, who's a friend of ours. And uh, she's got a listing coming on in our old neighborhood in Canterbury Hill oh. in Brookfield. So the kind of kind of the common technique that's uh, being used now is they list the home uh, on Thursday, but then they don't allow any uh, anybody to see the home, to come through the home oh, until Sunday. They build up the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the okay. delayed, hmm. you know, listing. Okay. And then they try to... And then they hold an open house on Sunday and have a feeding frenzy is what they're trying to do. To, you know, wow. drive drive the demand and yeah. concentrate it in a short amount of time. So the bottom line is, you know, if you're a cash buyer, that's always attractive, right? But if you are going to get a mortgage, well, why not get the best darn pre-approval you can? Again, I'm amazed that some of the larger lenders uh, in the state of Wisconsin only offer flimsy credit verified pre-approval letters. Yeah. We see it all the time. Hey, we we checked Bob and Mary's credit and they're good to go. It's like, really? You think you're going to win an offer with that uh, compared to a rock-solid, guaranteed pre-approval from Acunet where we not only verified your credit, we verified your income and your down payment, and we're issuing a $1,000 guarantee each to the seller and the buyer? You know, maybe that's going to be the little edge that you get, and we know. Well, and even over a cash buyer, because if a cash buyer thinks they're going to get a discount, well, that's true. If you're a seller, wouldn't you rather, you know, try to make a go of it with someone who's offering full price or above that than the cash offer who might think they're getting a steal? It's it's a multivariable equation. I guess yeah. it would depend on the price spread. Ah, yeah. You know, I don't think you're going to, if it's the same price, they're going to go with the cash buyer. Well, yeah. <clears throat> but if the guy's trying to steal it for twenty five grand under asking and, wow. you know, the, the other thing we know uh, and we do this all the time is, you know, maybe the person wants to put 5% down, uh, but they have money in a retirement account that they could get at. Yeah. Well, if we can verify that retirement money, we can issue the pre-approval letter with 20% down. That unfortunately does mean more to the seller. The bigger down payment gives psychological comfort. And so if we can give them that uh, pre-approval letter with 20% down, we can still finance them with five. Right. They just can't use the 
inability to get the 5% down loan as an excuse to back out. All right, well, when we come back, I've got an interesting story about a near-retirement-age Milwaukee couple who wants to buy a home in Madison and rent it to their daughter. We'll talk about the clever plan that we hatched just yesterday when we come back. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you through the home buying process. Welcome back to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. We are back. And Brian, you had a great story to share with us about a, a client that you're consulting. What's that all about? Well, I got a voicemail. Started out with a simple voicemail. Hi, this is, you know, Bob. Let's call him Bob, not his real name. And I've got some questions about investment properties. You know, please give me a call. So I give him a ring back. And, and his story is that he wants to buy a single family home in Madison and then have his daughter rent it from him. And I'm thinking, okay, she's a college student. Well, that turns out that's not the case. She's actually graduated and is living there. But nonetheless, dad wants to buy a house in Madison and then have his daughter and some other people rent it from him. Okay, great. So uh, then he shares with me, well, you know, one kind of stumbling block here, Brian, is that I don't have a job. I'm, I'm retired. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, so immediately, my first question is what, David? Uh, how old are you? Exactly. How old are you? And the answer is 59. So then my next question was? When is your half birthday? <laughs> yeah. When do you turn 59 and a half? And the reason why that's such an important question is when you turn 59 and a half, you can start taking withdrawals from an IRA or 401k or 403b retirement plan. And we can use those withdrawals as income. When you're 59.4 years old, we cannot do that. Okay. Um, and so he turns 59 and a half in September. Hmm. But he really wants to buy in like now, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to wait till September. Okay. So, well, does your wife have a job? Yeah, she works part-time, not enough income. Even though, go ahead, David. No, uh, could could the daughter be on the mortgage? Ah, yes, we went down that path. Okay. Could the daughter be on the then mortgage? Because then it could be her primary. That's right. Okay. It doesn't make it enough money. Oh. Okay, doesn't make enough money to swing the payment on it. Um, then, because she has some college loans too. Okay. Okay, which we're going to talk about later in the show, right? Yeah. A little student debt yeah, uh, yeah, article yeah. that we saw. All right, so, um, okay, so, you know, let's talk about um, how much money you have in your IRAs. Oh, good news, David, over a million bucks. Bada boom. Over a million dollars in IRA assets. Okay, so the uh, strategy has become, I can't lend you money on the investment property, but I have a special loan program. It's a bank portfolio program where we can do a calculation on your assets and turn that into qualifying income. It's called an asset depletion income calculation. So again, don't have to take any withdrawals whatsoever. It's all theoretical income. Right. And so the formula is you take the uh, million dollars, let's say, just to use a round number, it's actually more than that, but let's just take the million. We give it a haircut, meaning a deduction. For safety. For safety. For and, market fluctuations. And the fact that right now he is not of retirement age. All right. right? He's not quite 59 and a half yet. 59.2. So we um, uh, give it a 40% haircut. So that means our nest egg that we're using now for asset depletion calculation is 600000 Then we divide that by 60 months or five years. Like if you depleted those assets over a five-year period, how much could you take out every month, David? That's $10,000 a month in income. Boom. Air quotes. Okay. So now I, I, can, I just got this guy $10,000 of income, plenty 
of income to qualify for doing a cash out refinance on his free and clear primary residence in Milwaukee because we cannot do that asset depletion Uh maneuver on an investment property. Sure. Okay. But we can do it on your primary residence. Sure. So we're going to do, or I propose to him, because his other alternative he was looking at is paying cash Uh. and then waiting until he's 59 and a half to do a refinance on the investment property. Okay. So what's the other problem? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, everybody would like to have a 30-year fixed rate loan. So the asset depletion program we have is on an adjustable rate mortgage. And I can do, I think it was 4.375 with $154 of costs, okay, on this cash-out refinance of closing costs. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's reasonable. The problem with his idea that we were talking about is, well, I'll just do a refinance. I'll pay cash, and then I'll refinance it in September using my new IRA income, and I'll I'll finance and refinance the uh, investment property. Well, the problem is you get slaughtered on the pricing of a cash-out refinance on an investment property. Yeah. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, rightly or wrongly, well, it's about uh, risk. They say that investment properties are riskier, right, because people are not living in them for shelter, and therefore they default more. Yeah. So our, our little plan is that I propose is we'll give you a cash-out refinance. You take the proceeds, put it inside an LLC, and then make yourself a recorded mortgage on the Madison property, the lender being your newly formed LLC. Huh. There will then be a recorded mortgage on the property in Madison, and when we go to refinance it in the fall, it'll be just a regular refinance, not a cash-out. So there's your clever execution for the guy in Madison. Sounds right. like the details matter. Yeah, it matters. It, they matter a lot. All right, when we come back um, here after the news, uh, we've got, we're going to talk about an article that was in the Wall Street Journal on student loans and what that impediment is to buying a home after the news. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. We are back. And Brian, uh, you've got some interesting stuff as it relates to student loans and how they, uh, how they impact the purchasing of property. David here, I'm going to step in on this topic because uh, it, it was in CNBC. Oh, CNBC. Uh, I'm sorry. I said the Wall Street Journal. So CNBC. And, and, and they write an article which is, I'm going to say, half true, which... I wish they would call actual mortgage people when they write these articles, Mm -hmm. but it it makes note that student loans can hinder or get in the way of folks buying a house. And, you know, just some stats that they provide, 45 million people in the United States carry student debt. That's out of 230 million is the population? 330. I'm sorry. Three and the, okay. So, and the average is $30,000 according to student loan hero. And according to the National Association of Realtors, almost a fifth owe more than $100,000. Ooh. Yikes. Okay, but student loans shouldn't or, or, or can't get in the way of buying a house. And, and so what this article gets incorrect, because they asked a financial advisor mm. and not a licensed mortgage loan originator, the calculation that we have to do to help you qualify, because we want to make sure you can buy groceries and brewer's tickets. That's right. Uh, This financial advisor said we can only go up to 36% of your pre-tax income. 
So this is when we're measuring a person's principal interest, taxes, and insurance, plus if they're buying a condo, their monthly homeowners association dues, plus your car loans and leases, credit card payments, and student loan payments, that whole bundle of monthly payments you have to make, which, by the way, excludes your cable bill and if cell it, phone if, bill and cell phone bill and your heat that those things cannot add up. Your total monthly payments cannot add up to the article said 36 percent of your gross income. That's the income before any taxes or health insurance premiums are taken out. And that is incorrect because, David, we can go up to 50, 50 percent. All right. And, now. and what's interesting is you might not want to go up to 50%, but let's at least have the correct information out there. Right, exactly. And so when it comes to student loans, you know, you're either in repayment or you're in deferment or forbearance. Okay. Okay. So if you're in deferment or forbearance, which is I'm not paying my student loans right now, and they report to your credit report, mm-hmm. we get to use 1% of the balance. So if you have uh, so the, let's say, thir- yeah, the average? Say, yeah, the $30,000, I got to pretend, because at some point you get to start paying back your student loans, mm-hmm. that that's a $300 payment. All right. But The other that- option, though, if you're in repayment, we can use your income-based repayment payment. Which is often not enough to even cover the interest on your student loan. Correct, but but that's the payment that we can use. Okay, so but let's just I wanted to talk real numbers. Okay, go ahead on what this means for buying a house. So let's just take the example that we have two people each with thirty thousand dollars in student debt, and I have them both earning thirty six thousand dollars a year. Wow! And let's say they wanted to buy a two hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. And put three percent down. Okay. Which, by the way, could all come from a gift. Okay, go on. Okay, so let's say we have to use their one percent payment. All so right. That's three hundred bucks on thirty thousand. Well, that's six hundred dollars. And I'm giving them two pretty nice cars at three hundred dollars each. Oh, so this is a couple each earning thirty six thousand. Yeah, a okay. couple each earning thirty six thousand. All right, I'm with eight, you now. Eighteen bucks an hour. Okay. You could buy, so again, to recap, your debts, this mortgage, $600 worth of student debt payments, and two car payments each at $300 a month. So $1,200 of non-mortgage monthly payments. I could help you buy that $200,000 house with 3% down. What would the debt to income ratio be? 43%. Okay, all right. So you'd be you'd be tight, but you could do it. And you know, so the article perhaps is thinking of someone who's trying to buy a four hundred thousand dollar house or an eight hundred thousand dollar house on the coast or something like that. Exactly. But student loans aren't the thing that are going to they go into the calculation the same as credit card debt or a car mm-hmm. loan or and the good news is our guidelines have gotten easier. It used to be for a while we had to use 2% yeah. of the balance. That was for FHA. They relaxed on 1%. It used to be that we could not use your income-based payment, which right. is l- way lower typically than the 1% rule. Right. So things have gotten easier uh, for a student loan qualifying. Here's the real problem. Brian Wicker, future political candidate, maybe someday. The problem is we have to make sure people have income to pay back mortgage loans. That's called the ability to repay rule. Yeah. No such a thing on student loans. You can borrow up the wazoo. You want to borrow $200,000? No problem. What kind of job are you going to get after you graduate? Don't care. I'm going to sharpen colored pencils. That's right. So uh, that's the real problem is we have unbridled student loan lending. All right. 
When we come back, I've got a story about a, a wealthy couple buying a second home in Georgia. I'm going to give you the details when we come back. And you're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Expert advice on buying a home. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. We are back, and gentlemen, you've got a great story about uh, consulting a couple that's looking at a house in uh, in Georgia, right? Yes, the Peach State. Wait, is we're lending in Georgia now? No, we're not oh. lending in Georgia, but this is a past customer of ours. They live in Wisconsin. And is their primary residence, and so now they're buying. They've got a house under contract in uh, the Peach State, Georgia, hmm. for six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. That's the biggest house in Georgia. No, it's not the biggest house. Okay, in come on, six twenty-five. Come on, Coca-Cola is headquartered. Okay, okay. Of, right. This is in a gated golf community uh, outside of Atlanta, somewhere. And so she wanted to just toss around some ideas. She said, "Happy to do it." And um, the their idea, and they have a lot of money. I think they. I don't know for sure, but I think they have several million dollars. Okay. And, but they were going to liquidate uh, $325,000 out of their investments and then take a $300,000 mortgage. But they were going to pay it off in the next two or three years as the husband gets bonuses, just pay it down. Because they don't have a mortgage now. And I find this a lot. Wealthy people, it's like, oh, no, no, no. We don't want to have a mortgage. And uh, and then when they sell their house in Milwaukee or Milwaukee area and move down to Georgia, then they take the proceeds and pay off the mortgage. So they don't have a mortgage down there. I said, well, let me ask you a question. My first question was, do you you have a professional financial advisor? Yes. Oh, yes. You know, Sally Smith and blah, blah, blah. And she's really good. I said, well, what kind of rate of return is she getting on your portfolio? Yeah. And the answer was, well, at least seven or eight percent. So, you know, then I, I tried lightly, but I say, like, well, so why would you want to take money out of your portfolio right. that's earning you 7 or 8% just so that you can have a smaller mortgage? Or know? no mortgage, right? Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, theoretically, they could pay cash, right, because yeah. they have enough money. And, you know, there is no good answer to that question. There's no rational answer. It's all emotional. Exactly. Because the only rational answer would be, I don't think that Sally, my financial advisor, can continue to earn more on my portfolio than I have to pay in interest on my mortgage. So I got her thinking about that, and I came around to the recommendation that, why don't you borrow the Fannie Mae limit? By the way, the great quotes that she got, David... From a lender in Georgia and then a lender in St. Louis that does business nationally was for a 30-year fixed rate at 4.375, but they had to pay a one-point origination fee. Uh, On a big big loan. On a big loan, $300,000. So that's $3,000. While we're talking, you look up what would we be able to do if we were doing this loan, uh, $300,000, 4.375. I know it's not going to be one point. You keep going. On a 625 purchase price, by the way. Yeah. All right. So um, so I said, and I do this a lot with wealthy people, as I say, why don't you borrow the Fannie Mae limit, $453,100, and let's, why don't you consider doing that on a 15-year fixed, okay? Because if, if we were doing it, I did do the math on this earlier, we could offer them 3.875% on a 15-year fixed. And then what appeals to wealthy people, and if you can afford the payment, it's great, over half of your monthly payment is going towards principal anyway. So all we're doing is rather than you making this 
oversized principal payment at the beginning called a down payment. And maybe paying taxes on the money to liquidate it to make the down payment. Could be, right, right, right. Um, why don't we give you a bigger mortgage and then you just pay the principal balance down a little at a time. Okay? Huh, there you go. And you're only paying 3.875, which surely you're in the at least the 25% tax bracket. Which me and mortgage interest is deductible on acquisition debt only, which this would be because they're buying a second home, and the limit is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on which you can take the tax de- tax deduction for interest. Mm. So you know your real after tax cost is more like three percent. Yeah. And now all your financial advisor has to do over the next fifteen years on average is be three percent. I hope they can do that. I said, if you, you, all you got to do is ask your financial advisor, can you earn me 3.2% on my money over the next 15 years? And if they say no, Fine. fire them and get a different person, financial advisor. Yeah. Okay. And, and so this was a mind bending experience. David, what's the answer? What we could do on a 30 year? On a 30 year, 4375 mm-hmm. with only 600 bucks in cost. If it was a Wisconsin 4.41 4. APR. Okay. Well, so, so that just goes to show you we're, again, not only do we give you good ideas, but we give you good execution. Lean, mean, fighting machine. And believe me, they would be better off in the long run, I think, by doing the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Yeah. But that's just a little too much for people to get their mind around. And so by going to the 15-year... 3875 on a 15-year at Acunet, regular cost 393 APR. Right, right, right. So so that's just easier for wealthy people who were going to pay cash to get their mind around, oh, I'm still paying a lot of principal every month. You know, over half the payment. And by the way, the amount of principal keeps going up with every payment you make. Right. So we'll see. She's going to talk it over. I'll probably never find out the answer, but that was my recommendation. All right. When we come back, we have a surprise topic for you for the last segment of the show. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, gentlemen, we are back, and this is the designated surprise segment. So what do you have up your sleeve, guys? All right, here's the story. So for years and years and years, all Acunet Mortgage has done is radio advertising. Why? Because you don't have to put on any makeup. and have a face for radio. I have a face for radio. That's right. It's all good. So uh, the surprise is we're going to start to try. We're going to try TV advertising and uh, been working on the 30 second commercial, trying to not make it look like a bad local, you know, car commercial. <laughs> and uh, so that'll be coming up probably in the next week or two. Oh, wow. And we're going to be on uh ESPN, TBS, and HGTV, yeah. Because if you're watching all those home improvement shows, Shazam, why wouldn't you need a That's right. mortgage? So it's a 30-second commercial, and it's targeted at uh, Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Quicken Loans is a registered service mark of Intuit, Inc., used under license by Quicken Loans, Inc., Sounds like you've been talking to lawyers. About yes, <laughs> I have. And then the Rocket Mortgage is a registered trademark of uh, Quicken Loans, Inc. So, uh, and the point is that we're trying to get the public to realize, and we've done this in our radio commercials, that if they, if they ride the Rocket, if they, if they go with Rocket Mortgage, they will literally be spending at least $3,500 more in lender costs than if they go with low overhead, high efficiency, acunet mortgage. And so 
in that ad, we compare on screen a $200,000 loan for a person with 720 credit. And I can't get all their loan lender costs on Quicken's website, but on the day that we did the comparison last week, they would have had to pay, a borrower with 720 credit on that loan size would have had to pay 1.875 points to Quicken. In addition to you know, appraisal, credit report, closing costs, whatever other junk fees that they um, have, you know, underwriting fee or whatever, but at least $3,750. For that same loan at a 720 credit score, they would have had to pay us a quarter point, which is $250. So literally $3,500 a person would be lighting on fire. Somebody's got to pay for that TV commercial on golf well, today. Yeah, and you know, because they have a lot of celebrity spokesmen. They do a ton of advertising. They were on the college uh, basketball tournament all over the place on that. They're on professional sports. They're on college. So they are, you know, people are, are what, um, lazy? And they're just like, hey, I want a, the convenience. I want the Shazam factor of clicking on What's their, the word you're using? Dazzle? Dazzle. They want to dazzle you with their celebrity spokespeople and just, cool technology. Just, and their technology the is cool. The technology is cool, but you are paying a hefty price. A tax. We can, I, I want to say that Acunet is going to deliver, you know, 95% of the technology coolness. Plus, instead of just relying on their technology to advise you, you get smart people like David. And hoping you get it right. Me or our other consultants who are going to give you ideas you would never come up with by just playing on your smartphone. Yeah, well, it's like it's the the comments you made about the couple buying the house in Georgia or the dad buying the place in Madison. Your smartphone's not going to have that idea for you. That's right. So um, so look for that coming out soon. David, where are we at on rates as we wrap up the week? Yeah, so on a $200,000 loan with 25% equity and all the other right stuff, on a 30-year fix, 4.5% with just $950 in costs. I remember my retail class from last week. The APR is 4.5%. Four. Um, if you did want to get that 15 year, because you, you hope your investment advisor can yeah. do better than that, 3.99% with 950 bucks in cost. APR is 4.05. So that's still low, but kind of being helped a little bit by the stock market volatility. Up, you know, down. Up, it can't down. decide. Even in a given day, it can't decide up, down, sideways. That's right. And so that makes, you know, interest-bearing investments look a little bit more attractive. So we've kind of steadied out. It seemed for a while there like interest rates could do only one thing, which was keep creeping up. But we've had a little bit of a relief. And so if you want to find out, by the way, the prime, what are the chances of a Fed rate hike in June? You just told 79%. me. 79%. Okay, so 79% chance that in June, which is not that far away, that the rate on your home equity line credit is going to go up again. Currently, the prime rate's at 4.75. That'll push it to 5. We are still helping a lot of people consolidate their higher rate debts, be that student loans, be that home equity lines of credit, be that credit card debt, putting them all together with their existing first mortgage into a lower fixed monthly payment. All you got to do to find out how much you can save? Click on the blue button at AccuNet.com. That's where you can also get started on your rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy. We'll see you back here same time next week, Mark. 
Brian and David, another helpful hour of information. Thank you so much. I'm Mark Segrist. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You're listening to WTMJ Milwaukee. The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.